1: two five two seven four one six zero seven or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Jesus, Word. You are
0: all my live today, Master, Savior. I have come to seek you. We thank you, God, for the awesome privilege that we have to be in your house today. God, we thank you that family truly matters. And God, what we do truly matters in our homes and in our families. And we pray that you would help us in every way, God, just to be the example that we need to be, to be the light that we need to be and speak to our hearts, speak to our lives. God, we thank you. We praise you. We adore you in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen. High five someone around you. Come on, say good to see you looking good today. Come on, family matters. Family Matters. From our series this month, our theme scripture has been Psalms 101 verse 2. Psalms 101 verse 2. Absolutely love it. It says this, I am doing the very best I can and I am doing it at home where it counts. Come on, I am doing the very best I can and I'm doing it at home where it can, where it matters the most. Is where we need to be putting in the biggest effort. And our number one ministry and our number one responsibility is our homes. Come on, amen. It's our families, it's our marriages, it's our homes, because that's our responsibility. That's a requirement. We don't like to say it that way, but it's a requirement, meaning God requires that of me to be the head of my home as a father, as a husband. But then also, it's as a child that you are respectful, that you honor, that you obey, that your family matters and it's your priority in your life. I'm so excited about this series. We're seeing so many great things that are already happening in families. And we've been looking for the past two weeks of the crazy cycle. Come on, say it with me, crazy. Come on, say it kind of crazy-ish, you know, crazy. Come on, do a funny face. Look at someone go crazy. Come on, we've been talking about the crazy cycle. We know what that is when our home is just kind of out of control. What does the crazy cycle look like? It looks like this. Notice from the top, without love, a child, because a child needs love, a parent needs respect, but what do we see? Without love, a child reacts how? without respect. And then without respect, a parent reacts without love and the craziness just spins out of control. So what we've been looking at, we've been looking, how do we decode? How do we really hear what's being said in our homes? How do we make the right issue, the issue and not other issues? How do we look beyond the fact that our kids many times are just being kids and irresponsibility is not disrespect? And we've been talking about all those things, and it's important, obviously, to decode those things, but we discovered last week we must also diffuse those things, put out the bomb before it explodes. It's okay to say there's a bomb, but we need to do something with it. We need to diffuse that bomb before it explodes as causing problems. So we identify, but then we must address the problems. Come on, we have discovered what is the issue but now we need to implement the solution so today we want to take this whole series one step forward in such a positive way today because we want to look at the energizing cycle we want to look at how we can build and build how we can strengthen how we can establish our homes so we make them a nice place to be come on we don't want to have to circle the block three times before we go home because we don't want to face our kids We don't want to do all those things that I don't want to be at home and just feeling the unrest. We want to see peace in our homes. We want to see unity in our homes. Come on, I wish someone would say amen. Maybe you don't. I do. I want to see peace. I want to see unity. I want to see happiness. I want to see contentment in our home. I want a healthy home, a healthy life that I can see myself and my family just thrive and grow in a God model home. And here's how it looks, okay? We're going to look today how to energize. The energizing cycle looks a lot better than the crazy cycle. Here it is. Are you ready? The energizing cycle looks like this. With a parent's love, a parent's love, what? Motivates. Say with me, motivates. A parent's love motivates a child's respect, And a child's respect motivates a parent's love. Instead of the constant fight, we are building each other, motivating each other to love and respect. How many likes the image of that a whole lot better than the crazy cycle? And that's what God wants us to be in. How can that happen? How can we motivate each other? How can our homes change? How can they be different? I'm glad you asked. Can I tell you today? We're going to use the acronym today of the word guide, G-U-I-D-E-S. And we're going to look at this today, how we can energize and build our homes. The G is for giving. The U is for understanding. The I, Is for instruction, the D is for discipline, the E is for encouragement, and the S is for supplication, which is another way to say prayer. That we're going to look at those and we're going to actually split it down the middle. We're going to look at the first three today and we're going to look at the last three next week. So, guess what? If you don't come back next week, you're going to miss. The end of this message, and it's really important. We need to maybe start doing this every week. Leave a cliffhanger at the end of the message, so you've got to come back, tune in next week to see what happens. Come on, they keep us going back, don't they? Every week, <gasps> did they die? What's going to happen? And then we come back next week, and everything's okay. Come on, what's his name? Jack Barrow. What's his name off Twenty Four? What's the guy? What's his name? Bauer, he saved the day or something. You can see how much I've watched that show. Never watched it, but you can see who does watch that show. Nancy and Megan, not looking at anyone in particular. But we're looking today how we can guide our homes. How we can give them the guidance that they need. And we're going to cover lots of material today. I just want to tell you that we're going to cover lots of material. And, and you're not going to get it all. Your hands are going to be cramping trying to write it all down. But here's what you can do. Don't worry about it. Try to listen more then taking the notes and then revisit it. Grab a CD on your way out. Go on our website this week. Listen to it on podcast, on iTunes. You can Google us or you can put us in on iTunes and you can find us. All of our messages are on there. And, and, and listen to it again because you're going to need a second visit to this. Leftovers tend to be better anyway. Have you ever had a good spaghetti? It's better the next day. And so we just believe that this message is going to be better. Next time. So let's have a look at it. Let's start with G. G stands for given to give. Come on, say with me, give. Give. And with every point, we're going to give you a key point. So here's the key point to give. Are you ready? What they need, not what they want. If we are given to our kids, we are not given what they want, we are given what they need. And trust me, kids have their way of manipulating things like their wants and needs to become the same thing. Anyone else have kids like I was and that we have in our home? So here's the starting point. If we're going to learn how to give to our kids, the starting point has to be what do they need? What is it do they need? And we're going to discover, hopefully today, in a nutshell, what that looks like. Again, we can't cover all the points. We can just highlight some areas today, and I hope these will help you today. So point number one under giving what their kids need is this. Are you ready? They need more, not more stuff, but more of you. They don't need you to buy them any longer with other things. They just need you. They need your presence. Your presence is of the greatest value in their lives. Come on, say with me these words. Be all there. Be all there. there. And that's so important for us to be all there. Wherever you're at, be all there all there. Kelly's challenged me on this the last few weeks at some of the ball games because it's so easy on the bleachers in the stands while you're watching your kids. It's so easy to be on your phone texting. It's so easy to be checking your Instagram. It's so easy to be Facebooking or something like that. And Kelly's nudged me a few times the last few weeks and said, Philip, be all here. And she has to challenge me with that because I preached that message. Anyone remember that message? We preached that message. So she's challenging me with the words that I've already said. But it's so easy to just get so distracted. When we're there, we need to be there. When we get into our homes, we need to leave our work and every distraction of the outside and be all there. Can I hear an amen? can be hard to do. We need to recondition ourselves so many times, but we can bring all the distractions. I think sometimes people give too much at work. I didn't say you shouldn't work hard at work, but you don't need to bankrupt yourself at work. That when you come home, you have nothing left to give your family. Because when you come into your home, you've got to be all there for your family. You've got to be that support. You've got to be that help. You've got to be that encouragement. You've got to be. So we've got to be all there. It's not about the stuff. But it's about more of you. You know, more of you doesn't cost you anything. But the rewards and the investment that you're going to receive are out of this world. If I was to ask every one of you in this place right now, you don't have to make any involvement that's going to cost you anything. But every one of you could be a millionaire. Who's ready to sign up for that? Come on, 5, 10, 15 people. I'll take everyone else's. I mean, it's not going to cost you anything, but you could be a millionaire. Come on, let me see those hands. That's how you can be in your home. You can be a millionaire in your home. Because it doesn't cost Well, Pastor Philip, it costs me time. Time with who? Time with the people who are the most important people in your lives. Those that you vow to cherish, to love, till death do us part. It's not costing you anything. There's no sacrifice in giving to your family. It's just eternal reward. So we're not trying to buy them. We're trying to be there with them. Come on, it's not more stuff, but it's more of you. The second thing is this. We're not trying to be their genie. Not trying to be their genie. What happens? You rub the lamp. and What happens? The genie comes out and says, my wish is your command. Anything that you need, I can do it for you. Parents, you're not called to be a genie in a lamp. You're not called to be the genie for your parents. You're called to give to your kids, but the goal is never to spoil them. Come on, what they want and what they need, we have to determine. We have to be the determining factor with that, because as I said, they can combine the two very easily. And say that I need this, I need this. No, you want that. You can live without it. Infomercials today are so powerful. For what reason? They make you think that you cannot live without that. I want to remind you, you have lived however many years perfectly fine without that. And you can live in it. But they want you to think that my life is not complete without the new Bowflex. Now, my life may be a little bit more complete with the Bowflex, but I can live without it. It's going to be more of me living without it, but I can live without it. But you've got to realize in our lives, we're not called to be the genie. We're not called to spoil our kids. I love my parents. They gave us and met every need that we had in our lives. But my parents never spoiled us. Did we have more than a lot of people? Perhaps. But yet they taught us to respect what was given to us. And they didn't spoil us with those things. Too many parents today are doing that. Is there a formula, Pastor Philip? that we can apply to our lives just to equal out to see if we're spoiling our kids. There's something better than a formula. There's a principle from God's word. Are you ready? Look what God's word says. God's word says this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 10. This is the, this is the, um, the new um, King James version. It says this, For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he... Capitalize God for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Leave that verse up there. Let me read it again from the Message Bible. Are you ready? It says this. While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. Our parents did what was Best, For indeed, for a few days, they did what seemed to be best. As parents, we want to constantly do what we think is best. Amen for our homes. We try to make the decisions for our homes. I want to show you today that many times when we do what we think is best, that's when we spoil our families. But there needs to now be a shift into the latter part of the verse. And it says this, but God is doing what is best for us. Are you glad about that? That he is training us to live God's holy best. Many times it can seem like there's guesswork when it comes to being parents. I'm just trying to do my best. I'm I'm trying to give them my best. But what do we see in God's word here? We can choose to just give them our best or we can choose to say, God, we need to give them your best. And that means that we allow God to begin to parent us so we can be the parents that we need to be for our children. Come on, I wish someone would help me here. So I can choose to do things on my own, on my own way. Or I can choose to do them with the help of God, which is what? The best way, because with God's help, he says, you will have instruction because it's the best way. And instruction always brings great results. So God wants to help us. Let me say it this way. Those who follow Christ can trust him to give us or to guide us in doing what is the best God can guide us to lead our families if we need to know with what we're doing is spoiling our house and we're giving them the wrong things God can lead us and guide us in that and God can teach us and train us and give us what we need to know so we can be the best for our families God can give that to us but guess what else God has already given to us common sense so with that God now wants you to use your common sense and put it into play To think logically and to have sense in everything you do. You don't have to parent alone. Aren't you glad? That's the principle we just read. I don't have to parent my kids on my own. I can parent my kids with the help of God. And he is the greatest parent that has ever lived. And he'll help and instruct you not to spoil my kids, but to develop and to build them. Look at this point number three undergiven to our kids. We've got to watch that we don't play games. Anyone ever played games in the house? I'm not talking about phase 10. I'm not talking about scattergories. I'm talking about the manipulation game where you're trying to get your way in the house and you're trying to get over on your parents or you're trying to get over on your kids. And we've got to be very careful because as parents, we are called to make the decisions in our home. The children are not called to make the decisions. Our children are called to follow our instruction. We are the ones that God has placed to instruct our homes. And we've got to make the decisions, not the kids. And that's a good thing because, remember, kids have the amazing ability to be able to twist what they want to be what they need. And if we don't watch, it can become a big game in the house. Why? Because our kids protest many times the decisions that are contrary to their wants. Anyone got any kids like that in your house? They protest. When you don't go with what they want, they protest. And here's how the games look. Here's the games. It's like the Olympic Games. Come on. There's medals for all this kind of stuff. It's crazy. The games that we can see. Here's some of the games. Have you ever been on the guilt trip game? Come on, the guilt trip where they put on the guilt trip. Well, if you really loved me. If you were like everyone else's parents that love them and are good parents, then you would give me this or you would give me that. That is so unfair. The guilt trip, the guilt trip, the guilt trip. And it's so amazing that they're fighting at the fact. They're saying, man, you are so selfish is what they're saying because you're not giving me what I want. And the reality is they're accusing you of being selfish where well, they're the selfish ones. Because they just want what they want. The guilt trip. The guilt trip. Parents, you don't have to defer what your kids prefer. Come on, you don't have to defer to what your kids prefer. You don't let them guilt you into that. Too many homes are run by guilt today, maybe because you weren't there, maybe because you weren't doing, so you try to spoil. Remember, you're not called to be a genie. You're told to give your kids what they need. Don't play the guilt game. What about this one, the silent treatment? Anyone have the silent treatment type in your home? We've got a silent treatment type in our home. What do they do? When you correct them, you don't give them what they want. They shut down. They get quiet. They don't want to speak. They don't want to talk to you. They just get mad and they completely shut off. What do you do with that? You gotta just keep on going. You keep talking to them and you keep responding and you keep ignoring them because guess what? You're proving the fact that they can play games all they want, but you're not playing their games. You're not going to be manipulated by them becoming silent. Come on, you've got to remind them you're not going to play their games so they can get what they want. They may get quiet, but the greatest thing about a quiet kid is this. They're quiet. Amen. Don't have to deal with them. If they're like that, it's a great game. Let's play the quiet game every day. We like it in our house. Not going to use it to manipulate me, no. What about this one? Then you've got the other extreme, and it's the vocal onslaught. Anyone have any screamers in the house? Those that just want to kick and scream and holler? You or your kids just wanted to check, just making sure. Okay. But this is a game that can be played so many times that they scream and act out. It's amazing, though, that kids very seldom scream when it's just you and them. Most of the time they act up the most when they've got an audience. So what happens? Because of the audience, what do we tend to do? We want to pacify them many times. So we give them what they want so they'll be quiet because they're embarrassing and making a fool. But you see, kids know that. Well, come on, I'm going to give you two packs of gum. Just be quiet. Hey, listen, they know that and that's why they do it. And you may say, well, I only give, it to, I only give in to them for peace. I want to tell you, it's temporary peace. It's temporary peace. Why? Because they now know that's the tactic that works. And so the next time they want something, you're not going to have peace. They're going to be screaming again. And you're going to be pacifying them and pacifying them. That's not given to them in love. Come on. That's given into them. That's a big difference. You're not given to them what they need. You're given into their wants. And you're letting them control the house. What about this one, bribery? It's a lot of games of bribery. You know, I'll do this if you do that. You do this and then I'll do that. You've got to be careful with all those kind of things. Because after all, as a parent, you're the one that's calling the shots in the home. And we've got to watch that we don't get caught up with all the games. If you're tired of playing games, then change the tactics. Change the tactics. Change your approach. Change your response to it. I said this in the first service and it went really quiet, but I want you to hear this. Are you ready? If your child lacks self-control, it is you who is being controlled. Let that sink in. If your child lacks self-control, they're just going to play the quiet. They're going to scream. They're going to holler. They're just going to be out of control. Why are they doing it? Because that behavior controls you. So if your child lacks self-control, it is you who is being controlled. Say ouch, say ow, say something in the house today. So your real gift in giving them what they need is not to give in to their games. Because gratification should never be your goal. You shouldn't give to your kids to gratify them. Here's the next point. Here's what you need to have the goal. You ready? Your goal is this. To teach them contentment. Your goal is to give to your kids the gift of contentment. Contentment is what? Being happy with what you have, not what you wish you had. Contentment is even being happy with what you don't have. Well, everyone else has got it and everyone else is doing this. I like what Joshua said. I don't care about everyone else. He said, as for me and my house... This is where our contentment, this is where we're going to line up. This is what we're going to do in your house. You've got to watch that everyone else is not ruling your house because the people down the streets can be controlling your house because the kids want to be like them. God didn't call you to be like them. God called you to be who God has made you to be. Come on, we're taking back our families because our family matters. Come on, we've got to teach them contentment. Contentment is not in material things because when it is enough, ever enough. There's always going to be more. True contentment is through relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to teach our kids. Look what it says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. It says, now what? Godliness with contentment. Add godliness and contentment together. And what's the result? Great gain, great response, great happiness, great fulfillment in our life. There is a gain that comes when we have God and contentment together in our homes. And giving them what they need, in turn, will meet every need. Not their wants, but giving them what they need will, in turn, meet their every need. And you know, parents, the best way we can teach contentment in our homes is by example. By us being contented. By us having a contentment in our lives that our kids can see that we can go without stuff and we can still be happy. Come on, an iPhone 6 came out. I don't have one yet. I'm still happy. I don't have to have an iPhone 6 for my life to be complete. Come on, I don't have have to have the PlayStation 4 when I'm maybe still on 2 playing catch-up. But I don't have to have the 4. I don't have to have a 60-inch TV because a 32-inch TV works just as good. And hey, if you want to make a 32-inch TV bigger, just move your couch a little bit closer. And then there you've got a bigger TV. It's amazing how that works. But you see... The contentment of our lives today, we have built our lives on the fact that I've got to have to be happy. Watch, that's not the enemy of your home. Why do you say the enemy? Because that will destroy your home. Because there'll never be enough of what they need or what they want. And we've got to be so careful and teach them contentment with our life. Because the ultimate goal, you ready? Here it is, number five, undergiven. The ultimate goal has to be to give them Christ. That I give them Christ. That can kind of sound super spiritual, but it's not. It's very practical. It just means that me through relationship with God can put that to work in my life. That I can live a godly life. That I can be a godly parent, a godly child. I can live according to God's word in my home. That's what it is. I'm not just preaching the message. It's not just speaking the scriptures. It's living the scriptures. There's a lot of people today that can quote many verses, but they don't know how to live one. They can quote it, but they don't live it. I think last month we called them, that would be a hypocrite. Is that right? I think last month we labeled that kind of person who says one thing and does the other as being a hypocrite. We don't want to be that. We want to live the life. But do you know what? If I'm going to give my kids Christ, I've learned this. I can't give anyone something that I don't have myself. I can't give out of me what's not already in of me. It's got to be in me first. So it can come out of me. So in order for me to be able to give my kids Christ, I've got to have Christ in my life. I've got to be full of God. I've got to be in relationship. I show them and teach my kids, hopefully, relationship in God. Not because I preach every Sunday, but by the way, I live Monday through Saturday. Come on, the way I live throughout the week. Come on, I want to teach my kids that God can supply all of their needs. I want that any time they've got a problem. And how do we do that? We share with our kids. If there's things and problems in the home, what do we do? We can call them together and pray. Listen, we've got a need. When we were trying to sell our house, we involved all our kids in the deal because Kelly and I's prayers weren't being answered soon as we brought the kids in, man, God sold our house. Man, we included our family and said, this is the needs that we have. We want you to be a part of it. Pray. They rejoiced in the fact of selling the house because they were now a part of it. Can you see how we can teach kids? So guess what? When they're having problems in their adult years and even before they become an adult, while they're kids right now, you know what they can do? If it worked for us with mom and dad, it can work for us. And they'll begin to come to you and say, would you pray with me? Because I've got some needs. You begin to exemplify Christ to them. Give them Christ. Not Christ. Christ and, but God only. It's not God and. If you've got God and this, no, it's God only. Yeah. It's amazing when you look, and I know we don't have time today, but it's amazing. I've been looking and reading through um, the children of Israel being delivered out of Egypt. And it's amazing to me that Jesus, God takes them out of slavery, and you would think he would put them straight in a land of promise. I mean he takes them from nothing, really, and then you would think he's going to take them to something because look how good God is. God takes them to a what? A wilderness. You know something about a wilderness is this there's no food and there's no water in a wilderness. You don't have to research that or Google that. We just know that. There's nothing in a wilderness. So how crazy that God would take them and put them straight in a wilderness. Why would God do that? Because of this reason. God wanted to show them without Him, they have nothing. But with Him, they have everything. You know, I read this week, it blew me away, that for God to feed the children of Israel for one day with manna, it would take 45 train carriages each full of 15 tons to fill the children of Israel for one day. 45 train carriages with 15 tons in each one of them just to feed them for one day. Don't tell me God can't take care of your problems. Come, But we need to teach our kids a dependency upon God. That when no matter what, we can always trust in God. Come on, we're not going to try and live like everyone else and try to be this and that. I've said this before, but if there was three things that I could leave to my kids, I wouldn't leave them all the money. I wouldn't leave them a million dollars. I wished I had it, but I couldn't leave it to them anyway. I wouldn't leave them a lake house. If you've got one to give me, I'll take it. But I haven't got one to leave to them right now. But what I'm saying is, you know the three things I would leave my kids is this. That they would have a relationship with God, salvation with God. Second thing is this, that they would have the Holy Spirit working inside of their lives. And the third thing is this, they would understand the principle of tithing and giving financially to God. I think that's the three greatest things that I can leave to my kids for their future, for their life. Because under those three things, their lives are complete. Their lives will be happy. They will have everything that they need. Come on, we've got to give to our kids. Give them not what they want, but what they need. The second thing is you. You stands for what? Understand. It's not a trick question. It's on the screen. You stands for understanding. Understanding what? Not only what they need, but the differences in their need. We're understanding that right now in our home. We've now got an 11-month-old all the way up to a 21-year-old in our house. There's different needs. We can't just say to Judah, hey, get ready for school and go. He's not even at school yet and he couldn't even do it if he wanted to be there. Why? Because there are different needs through the different stages and the different areas of our children's lives. We've got to understand that there are differences, there are needs as male and female there's differences and needs but we've got to understand that kids are different to us and we've got to have an understanding of where they're at look what it says in 1 Corinthians 13:11 it says when i was a child i spoke as a child i understood as a child i thought as a child but when i became a man i put away those childish things in other words i changed The things I used to do, the childish behaviors, I don't do them any longer. So what do we need to understand? What do we need to look at? Let me give you some points under understanding when it comes to our kids and through the various stages of their life. Are you ready? Point number one, and that is this. Kids think literally first. Kids think literally first, meaning what? They just say what they see, think, or feel with no filter. We have one of them in our house. Anyone have any of those in your house? I used to be a kid like that, I think. Come on, kids just... They just think they just live they just are literally which can be really embarrassing as a parent because you see a circumstance and you know what's probably going through their mind but you know it's not going to stay in their mind you know that as soon as that person comes up they're going to say many awkward times as a parent with just that kid you know that all of a sudden oh what's he going to say as he opens his mouth you're like what is going to come out of here Why? Because they are literal. we got a lot of sermon material with six kids. I I just want to tell you that. We get a lot of information. They get a lot of things too from us, I'm sure. But a lot of things going on. But one of our sons, and we're not going to say who it is, but one of our sons has a problem with saying things so many times that may be inappropriate because he just thinks literally. He's still in that age where he just says things. So Kelly has had so many conversations, said, listen, son, listen, if you think it's going to hurt someone, if you think it's going to be unkind to them, then please don't say it. His response is, okay, mom, I'll do that. But guess what? We're having that conversation again. And we've had that conversation again. And we're having that conversation again. Why? Because he's just a kid. And we've got to understand that, that they think literally first. So we can't jump all over them because we've got to remind ourselves what childish means. Childish means immature, irresponsible, and silly. And really, you want them to be that because you don't want them to grow up too quick. You want them to enjoy the stages of their life. And the reality is this. They don't mean any ill harm. They're not trying to do it because they're trying to be unkind and ugly. They're just literal first and help us, Jesus, while we go through those stages. Amen. So if our kids have said anything to you, we apologize. They're just kids being kids. And just blame it on Kelly. She's the mom. She can take the responsibility. Look at the second point under understanding. You've got to understand this. Your kids just need to feel loved. Your kids need to feel loved. Pastor Philip, I just really feel led to share this. But all this stuff is good. But you know what? My kids are grown now and they're out of the house. How can I? I've blown it. I've messed up. Listen, there is never too late to start again. It's never too late. Today is a great day for you to begin all over again because it's going to be grandkids, it's going to be other people's kids that you can be an example to. And you need to take these materials and teach these to young men and women. Be an example. Be an advocate for the family to those. You've maybe blown it, but today is a new day. And be a new advocate for the family and stand up for your family and make a difference in your home. But your kids need to feel loved. I would hope that you would know that. But the first step to understanding your child is to love them. If you really want to understand them, you've got to love them. And you've got to love them for who they are, not by their performance. If we love our kids by what they do, we wouldn't love our kids many times. Because they don't do good things. And they, they misbehave because they're being kids. Irresponsibility is not the same as disrespect. We understand all that. Here's the key point under understanding. You ready? And that's this. I think we've got to treat them and we've got to love them. And it's not what they deserve, but it's what they need. Come on. It's not what they deserve. It's what they need. I've got to love them, not because they deserve it at all times, because we don't, but I've got to love them because they need that. Despite their performance and what they do, they still need me to love them. And we've got to understand that. Look what it says in Ephesians 6 verse 4. It says, and fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Not provoking, it says, but training them, teaching them, showing them that you love them. I want to give you a few pointers today that I think kills love in the home, that will kill your love, and things that we've got to avoid, and things that we've got to steer well away from. Are you ready? Point A, and that is this: being too aggressive or physical. We can be too aggressive at times, both vocally and physically. That sometimes, or uh, vocally, yeah, and physically, that sometimes we can cross the line, as they say. And as a result of that, we can cause problems. We can make them feel that we don't love them. I didn't say we shouldn't discipline our children. There's a big debate now that's going on with discipline because of what's been happening in the NFL with one of the um, players with his child. And now it's got to the place where they want to establish laws that parents cannot do this and that when it comes to discipline. We've got to be very careful because those people are not role models. They're just public figures. And we've got to watch between the difference of them. But we have to discipline our children. And we've got to instruct them. And we're going to look at that more next week in a greater depth. But remember this. The importance of discipline is this. For the child to still know that they are loved through the process. That they are loved through the process. So watch that we can get aggressive sometimes. We can get too aggressive physically, vocally. We can just be too aggressive, kills love. What about this one? Number B is this, we can break our promises. What a way to tell our kids that we don't love them. Matthew 5 verse 37 says, But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Think about this, if I'm not yes and I'm not no, whatever I am in between is from the evil one. New Living Translation says, just say a simple yes, and I will, or no, I won't. Too many times as parents, we're breaking promises. Let me help you with this. Are you ready? Don't promise what you cannot perform. Come on. Don't promise what you can't perform. Don't tell your kids you're going to do something if you can't do it, or you don't intend to ever do it, because there's something about kids too they never forget. They never forget, and they will remind you, and they will remind you, but you promised that you promised, but you promised. Sometimes they remind you of things that you didn't promise. You've got to be on your game with stuff like that. But they tend to remember those things. But don't promise what you can't perform because it builds a greater resentment in your kids. Why? Because you've got to keep keep your promises to your kids at all costs. Whatever you try to do, keep your promises to your kids because little things that may be minor to you can be massively major to them. And then they can begin to expect that you're not just going to perform next time and they just give up on you. And then they don't even believe what you say. But the promise is this. Or well, the problem is this. When they don't believe what you say in regards to your promise, they're also not going to believe what you say in regard to your instruction and to your guidance. And they're not going to follow you. Why? Because you're not truthful. You don't keep your words. So why should I? And then you go back onto the crazy cycle. There are going to be times, parents, we all know this, that are things that happen out of our control. But let me say... What is in our control and out of our control is what we need to determine for our lives. Because when we're talking about things outside of our control, it doesn't mean... I mean, some things we can label that we don't have control over, but we do. So make sure that we're doing the best that we can to control. uh, And things are going to fall out of that. And if they do and we can't fulfill our promise, then first thing you do is ask for forgiveness. But then you make another make-up date. And you say, let's go and do this and let's do that whenever possible. Is that okay? So here's the next thing under them feeling love that we can kill love. We can kill love through name calling, calling them names. It's a big no-no. You've got to be very careful. You've got to watch even in fun that we can label a child by fun and we can all laugh, but it can give them an identity crisis in their life. You know, maybe a child's got big ears or something. You can just laugh about it, man. Look at you, Dumbo, flying around. And we can all laugh and we can have. But you know what? That can give that child a complex in their life that they can build a resentment towards you because of that. You've got to be very careful because with our words, we can either destroy or we can build. The Bible says there's death and life in the power of the tongue. And even in humor, we've got to be careful that we're not destroying our children and we're putting them down. So really watch. Let me help you with this again already. Address the problem, not making them the problem address the problem not making them the problem what do I mean by that how many of you in here have got kids and they've ever done anything bad come on let me see your hands come on we've done bad things okay so pretty much everyone not pretty much everyone who has a kid they've done bad things okay but they have never been a bad kid and that's where you've got to draw the line because the problem, you've got to watch that you don't what? That you do not address the problem with their action, their behavior is bad, but what? That you don't make them the problem, that they are bad. When we correct our kids, we don't say you're, you're bad, we say you're naughty, you've done something wrong. Why? You may say, well, that's the same thing. No, it's not. Naughty is the action or the choice they've made, but when you say bad, that's a label that you put upon them from beginning to end. You've got to watch the words you say, oh, pastor to feel you just been oversensitive. No, I'm not. you got to watch. I think the word stupid should be like a curse word in your home, meaning what? It's not a word that anyone ever says in your home. You're a stupid kid. You're a stupid kid. Come on, that is one of the worst things that you can ever say to your kids. And if you say that to your kids, you need to repent to your kids and say, I'm sorry. Because what begins to happen? If you call a kid stupid, then they're going to do something wrong and they're going to come to you and say, I only did that because I'm stupid. You give them an identity. You create a problem and speak something into their life that is an act. Action that could have been dealt with and should have been dealt with in a godly manner. Watch the names. Come on, watch for that. What about this one? Here's another one. D, falsely accusing your kids. We can get good at doing this because I'm the parent. So, hey, listen, I'm the sheriff of this here town. Sheriffs make mistakes too. Come on, nudge your neighbor and say, sheriffs make mistakes too. And we've got to be very careful that we don't falsely accuse. We've got to listen. We've got to gather the right information and not just assume because we know what assumption does. We don't want to be there. So we've got to watch because when we just don't listen and we jump to conclusion, it makes them angry. And what do they do? They react negatively because what? They feel like their opinion doesn't matter, that you don't trust them. And we can say, well, if you want to be trusted, you've got to earn trust. True? True. But sometimes you've got to give them a little trust so they can prove that they can be respectful and handle that. So we've got to be careful that how can you earn something that you maybe don't have? And we've got to be careful with all those kind of things in our lives. Look what it says in James 1 verse 19. It says, Let every man be swift to hear. And slow to speak and slow to wrath. What is the ratio two to one? Two ears to one mouth. Why should be twice as much listening to once as much speaking? Proverbs 18 verse 13 says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. In other words, you're a fool. And it's not only a fool, but there's going to be things that's going to happen. Listening is an art that we need to still be learning. Do I hear an amen? And really the goal of understanding our kids is this. It's not about them understanding our rules, our instruction, and our guidance. Well, if my kids just know that, then they're going to understand and everything's going to... The real goal of understanding your kids is not for them to understand you. But it's for you to understand them, to understand their feelings and how they feel and what they're trying to tell you. I didn't say they control it. you just got to understand so you can speak to those needs. Here's the last one of how we can kill love in our home. Are you ready? Setting unrealistic expectations, requests and demands. We can do this. They say the gap between what we expect and what we receive, the gap is called frustration can have a lot of frustration in our lives so what do we do many times what we do is we lower our expectations we should never lower our expectations but we should set realistic expectations Our children, as they grow, the expectation level should increase. But as a young child, we can say, well, I expected them to know that. Obviously, they don't. So avoid the gap of frustration by giving them some grace in that situation and working with them. Ask yourself in situations like this, and and when you're dealing with your kids, ask them, am I, you know, presuming? Am I prejudging them? Am I really, you know, am I patient? Am I doing what I need to do? You know, am I too busy that I'm missing? all of this. Socrates, the great um, philosopher, said these words, beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Beware of the barrenness of a busy life. Well, if I'm busy, I'm making more. No, the busier you are, many times the less you have to show for it. And last, the third point under to instruct them is this, to empathize with them. Empathize doesn't mean to give in. A lot of people think that means just to give in and roll over and play dead and give them whatever they want. It's not what it means to empathize. It means to feel for them. It means to feel with them. It means that you share their feelings, their thoughts and how it makes them feel. I couldn't even imagine today what it would be like to go to the schools my kids go to. I know how school was when I was in school. But I'm telling you, what they have to face every day is a hundred times worse than what we ever had to face in our lives. And we've got to understand that. We've got to be gracious with that. It's not that we give in and say, oh, yeah, everyone else is doing it. But we've got to give them some encouragement with the fact and some recognition. You're doing a great job because that's tough. Come on, empathy is literally putting yourself in their shoes, putting yourself in someone else's shoes And one of the greatest ways, again, that we can show love and we can empathize and we can just be there for our kids is to be willing to apologize when we get it wrong. I didn't say if we get it wrong. I said when we get it wrong because we're going to get it wrong. But just to turn around and say, you know what, I'm sorry. That's a great way to start understanding them because then they'll begin to realize that you are human like them and they'll begin to open up to you and begin to talk with you. So what do we see? G. give them what they need. What was the next part? Understand them. Understand their needs. They may be different, but it's not what they deserve. It's what they need. Don't allow the love to be killed through those silly things that we can so often have in our lives. But Because we remember we're living now, hopefully, with the instruction and the help of God. And that's the next point. I instruct. Come on, say with me, instruct. Instruct. You know, your greatest instruction for your home and family is your example. The greatest instruction that you can bring to your family is your example. It's not what I say, but it's who I am. Here's the key for instruction. Are you ready? The key point. You are the key to the success of all of this. If you want your family to be a success, it rides on you. You are the key to bring the success into your home by being the godly instruction that your kids need. Ephesians 6, verse 4, we read it earlier, but let me read the last part of that verse again. It says, But bring them up, bring up your children in the training and instruction and the admonition of the Lord. New Living Translation says, Bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. A lot of things that try to instruct us today to lead our kids are very ungodly. There's a lot of pressures today. There's a lot of pressures to conform to this world, to compromise our beliefs and the stands that we have. Why? Because a lot of people are cynical towards the things of God. There's an enemy, there's a war that's trying to destroy the family unit, the morals of our lives and, and just all those kind of things. But you know what? We've got to make sure in all of the mess and all of the confusion, we've got to stand up and be the real deal. Parents, we've got to be the real deal. You know what that means? We've got to stand head and shoulders above any other influence that could influence our family and our home. So many influences out there. So many things that want to show our kids how to live life. Come on, parents, we've got to stand up and be head and shoulders above everyone else, instructing our family. So how do we do that? Let me give you some points, and then we're going to bring this to a close today. Okay, so how do I instruct my family? Here's where we start. Are you ready? Point number one, we've got to ask a question, who's leading me? Come on, who's leading my life? Who is in the driving seat of my life? Romans 10, verse 17 says, So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If I want faith to rise in my life, how does it come? By following the instruction of the word of God. Come on, it's so important that my life is led by the word of God, that I allow his word to just to shape me, to fashion me and form me. Because when Christ is kept at the center of my heart, when Christ is at the center of your hearts, you're not going to stray away from bringing your children up in the instruction of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because that's who you are. And what you are is what you preach and what you teach and what you live and what you demonstrate. And your kids are going to follow the example of that. Come on. My responsibility is to bring the heart of what? Of my child to the heart of God, to lead them and guide them. Look what it says in Colossians 3. Verse 16 and 17, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart. So what is the thought? As Christ's inside of us, what's going to come out of us is Christ. We're going to be an example to those around us. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word and deed, the response, the reaction, the results of a life like that, you're now doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ given thanks to God and the Father through him. Your whole life will be a testimony to God. How does that play out then when we're speaking as parents today? It means that when Christ's word fills our hearts, guess what? We will then become a natural conduit for the instruction of the Lord to flow out through us, that we will be an example to those around come on you may sit here today and say pastor Philip it's all right for you you had godly parents you had a godly upbringing but I didn't come on God's word that we just read right there doesn't give us any reason for excuse because God's word says no matter where we've come from what we've done and what we don't have or maybe what we do have we can have God that can dwell richly inside of us and through our lives can flow the instruction of wisdom and guidance to our families come on you don't have an excuse today you just need a relationship relationship erases all excuses in your life you may say I've never had a proper father you've got the heavenly father that wants to lift lead you and teach you and he's the greatest parent of all you will not go wrong and what we believe is this it's better caught than taught come on it's better caught than taught what meaning seeing it alive inside of you not just teaching it but following behind it So, the first point of instruction is this Who's leading me? The second thing is to ask the question Who's leading my family? I mean, who really is leading my family? Proverbs 1 verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of what? Your father. The son should be led by the father. And do not forsake the law of your mother. Who should be leading my family? Us as parents, as husband and wife. We should be leading our, pa- our children. It's our responsibility, not the responsibility of others to lead my children. Thank God for great coaches. Thank God for great teachers. Thank God for youth leaders. Thank God for godly friends and Input that are around our kids. Come on, but I cannot count on other people to instruct my kids better than I can. God has given me that responsibility. My job is to care for them. Listen to this: my job and my responsibility is to earn a living for them. Meaning, go out and work. And provide for my home. My responsibility is to love them, to support them. That's my responsibility. Who's leading my family? Who's making the decisions for my family? Is it MTV? Is it the internet? Is it social media? Is it the latest things that we see today? What is leading my family? As you're led by God, you need to lead your family. You need to be the head of your home and leading your family. Here's another great instruction for our homes. Are you ready? Don't just say no. Well, you can't do that. Why? No. No is okay, but it's not. No is a comma, not a period. What do you mean by that? I think it's important that we address the whys. Not just the no's, but the why's. Why do we not do those things? Why is it wrong for us to do those things? I think it's so important for us to explain the reason behind. Give them the word of God. You know what that means, parents? That means for some of you, you're going to have to read the word of God for yourself. Because for some of you, all you do is know. You don't know why. You need to look up the why's so you can teach them to your kids. And you can live that for your kids because it is so important. We all know that you shouldn't lie, cheat and steal. But why? Well, because it's wrong to do that. Well, great. Why is it wrong? We've got to know these things. We've got to know that it hurts God. We've got to teach our children that it hurts the heart of God who loves us so much when we do those things. We've got to teach them that it undermines our relationships with other people. We've got to teach them that it harms our reputation. It's not just a case of no. This is why we don't do those things. I love it. I read this this week. Listen to this. Someone wrote, when God says no in his word, he is really saying, don't hurt yourself. Isn't that really cool? When God says, no, you don't do that. What God is saying is, if you do do that, you're going to hurt yourself. So the reason I'm saying no is because I don't want you to hurt yourself. Come on, parents, we need to say some no's because if not, we're going to hurt our kids. Come on, they're going to hurt themselves. But we need to teach them the whys too, because your no will not always be there, but godly instruction always will be. Come on now, you your no, you won't be there when the kids offer them drugs and say no for them. But when you give them the word of God of why they don't do those things, because you're different and God's got a call upon your life and you Give them the instruction and the why of God. God's word says that his word shall never return void. Come on. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way they should go. That's teaching them the whys of life. They may not want to hear it and they may not go that way all the time. But you should teach them in the way they should go. And when they are old, what? They won't escape the wise. They'll maybe battle with the nose, but they'll never escape the wise because they'll be convicted in their hearts. You've got to teach them not just the no, but the why. And that means you've got to find the why for your life. Almost done today. Point number four. If I'm going to instruct them, one of the greatest instructions I can give them is to raise them in his house to raise them in the house of God. I've got to prioritize the house of God for my family. You know what that means? Not sending my family to church, but bringing my family to church. We don't just send our kids. We bring our family to church. Come on, Psalms 92 verse 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Notice the key, those who are planted, not those who come once a month, those who come once every other month, those who are established in the house. Come on, we've got to teach our kids the priority of God's house. And how do we teach them that? By the example of our lives. We've got to teach them to love, to have a passion for the house, a commitment to his house. We've got to instruct them to the importance of his lives that we can build their life in. The Bible says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want to build my family in a place where hell cannot prevail against it. And you know what he said? That place is the house of God, the church of God. I'm so proud. You know, we've kind of picked on my kids a little bit through the message today, but I want to be proud as a proud parent and just kind of dote on my kids just a little bit. Because I want to tell you something. I never have to wake my kids up on a Sunday morning to come to church. You all show up at 9, 11 o'clock. Our kids are here at 7.45 on every Sunday morning. They get up early for school, but I'm up early in the morning walking on a Sunday. And by the time I come back to my house at six thirty in the morning, the hair dryer is on because Brittany's already been up and she's had a shower and she's drying her hair. I go through Mally's lights on. She's not always the brightest thing in the morning, but she's trying really hard and she's up. I go across the hallway and here's Hannah and Molly and they're up doing their makeup in the mirror. They're all up. Why? Because I don't have to beg with them and plead with them because they've got a love for the house. They want to be here on the platform, serving and giving to you. Now on Monday morning, it's a different story. I have to fight them to get up for school. We're not so happy those days. But I'm telling you right now, I will fight them every day to go to school if I don't have to fight them on a Sunday to be in the house of God. Because I want them to love the house. I want them to have a passion for the house. And it's one of the greatest instructions I can give them to love the house of God. And how do I do that? By loving the house of God myself. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David had a love for the house that we need to have for the house. Come on, parents. I know we've covered a lot today. I hope that's good. Anyone get anything from today? Come on, so much stuff. We've got to give, we've got to understand, and we've got to instruct. Next week, we're going to talk about discipline, encouragement, and supplication prayer. And we're going to pray for every one of your families together next week. Come on, would you stand to your feet and say with me, family matters. Come on, my family matters. Come on, what I do matters. Come on, say that. What I do matters. What I do matters. It really matters. Come on, it really matters. My responsibility. Come on, I can't pass it off. It's my responsibility. But before we go, I just want to pray for every one of your families today. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would help us to realize the importance of how much family matters, not only to you, but how much it needs to matter for us. And God, I pray, God, that this week, God, we would give to our kids, God, not what they want, but what they need. God, we would, you would help us to that, God, just to give us the instruction that we need and the guidance and the guidance in our lives that we would be able to produce that and be that in our homes and our families. Give us a greater understanding, God, to know them, to know their heart, to unlock their hearts. God, we pray that, God, you would help us to love them in greater ways. And God, just those areas and those things that we can do that can kill and destroy love. God, we just pray that you would help us, God, to overcome that. And God, just give us instruction. Starts first with us, the example we need to be. And as we do that, God, we pray that we would be that. And God, they would see that example and follow. God, we pray for our homes, that you would make them a different place. That God, as a result of this, God, we would be able to have a testimony, each one of us, and say, my family was changed in the month of September. Come on, my family was completely changed. And God, we thank you for the change that you want to bring in our lives. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp.hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.